And now, right to your hooks up down the garden path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscapes. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me tonight is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Welcome, Matthew. Welcome, Joanne. And let me, let, me, let me just redo those names, please. Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Oh, did I go too early? No, I had a frog in my throat. <laughs> And, and then you did just before we came on. I'm like, did that get picked up too? I just, uh, oh I God, know. We've all got it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm grabbing the water right now. Uh, <laughs> there you go. We're going to cough. Yeah, we're all going <laughs> to cough now. Okay, everybody listening. <laughs> okay, let's Hello, keep Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. And have a few laughs with us along the way, right? (laughs) (laughs) So good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on uh, Down the Garden Path. Uh, Tonight in Canada, I guess it's uh, Easter Monday, so depending where you are in the world, um, but we are here anyway, and uh, happy to be so, and so we, um, Matt and I both felt like there's so many questions we're getting messaged, and so many questions on social media, um, people are just dying to get outside and uh, do things in their garden, but there's a lot of things you shouldn't be doing, so um, Matt and I decided we would have a do what not to do in the garden right now, Uh, show. So it's all for you, all your questions. If you have a question about what to do when, uh, please send us an email to instudio101 at gmail.com. We are here for anything garden related. We know April is um, officially really lawn care month. So we're going to be bringing you some great shows coming up uh, on some deep dives on different areas on lawn care. But uh, we know that there's some lawn care questions just dying to get asked right Matt that is right that's right lots of people out there asking questions and just get diving into their lawns Um, and I think for me that's the number one thing right now as far as our list of not to do or April don'ts um, is getting out there on the lawn too early and just raking up everything out so far um, the lawn is squishy, but we've got lots of beneficial and overwintering insects. Hasn't been warm enough, especially over the night, to, especially here in the GTA, to really wake them up and get them out of those hiding spots and mating and drinking and feeding and doing their thing. So you're taking away their homes. So it's a beautiful, it was beautiful. It was, uh, what was it, 12, 13 degrees yeah. here uh, in yeah, Ontario? Or about, yeah. yeah, or about, I mean, it's like it's. 54 where I am now uh, for our American listeners Um, but yeah it's been so warm and we're so anxious but everyone's just cleaning 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 and um, yeah Yeah, slow it down yep and aerate (laughs) and I've seen people out there with their little own personal 
aerating machines and people out there with the grass seed. And I, it's so hard when I'm going for a walk and I'm seeing, and I just want to stop them. Like, please stop, please, please stop. So I get that everybody's keen, um, but there's plenty of time, right? So uh, I think, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry and wait and, you know, let nature take its course. Um, I realize that normally you'd be too busy at work or we're not home during the day looking at it. So you wouldn't have gotten around to it. But so I, we tell this to everybody every year, but obviously through COVID uh, it's worse, right, Matt? Because everybody's home. It's much worse. Yes, exactly. Because everyone's home and they're constantly looking at it and they're just waiting to get outside and open those windows uh, and get all that nice, refreshing spring weather. And we've been, uh, at least here, we've been very blessed with it. It's been very warm lately um feeling great but yeah it, again lead, let nature do its course we're warm-blooded all those plants and those insects are not they're not generating yeah. they're still very cool compared yeah. to us right and our blood's thickened as we get ready for the winter so it's very warm um i always see those you know meanwhile in canada memes and probably you see them everywhere too yeah. right but in the fall it's like 16 or 12 degrees and everyone's bundled in toques and scarves and it's like fall and then you see spring on the other half and their t-shirts and sunglasses and, yeah these yeah, so. shells and ready to go yeah <laughs> exactly so even though it feels that way there's lots going on that is yet to still come so you're not behind you're not behind um we've got lots to still look forward to and enjoy and talk about so don't forget to send us your questions uh, lawn related or otherwise to instudio101 at gmail.com. Say hi. Tell us how you are spending your Easter weekend. Uh, we'd love to hear where you're from and what you're yes, up to definitely. in your gardening. Where you're from. We love those. And that helps us um, really answer your questions appropriately too, right? For where you're from. Exactly. Because as we're talking about what the temperature is right now and how cool things are right now, we have listeners listening to Reality Radio 101 from all over the world. And you could be like, oh, it's 13. What are you talking about? It's 22 where I am. And you yeah. guys are two months ahead of us. So we like to try to keep it as regional as possible. And it definitely helps and is exciting to hear about where you're from. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, most definitely, definitely. certainly. So what are some of the other April don'ts? I have I have to say I haven't um, seen anybody aerating and dethatching yet, which is good. But the, when you said that, if you could see me on Zoom, my like yeah. heart jumped into my throat. I was yeah. like, no. <laughs> it was even like his own. So I thought to myself, where did you even get that? Like it was like his, you know, yeah. So oh. yeah, it was like a little thing with spiky on it. Yeah. So no, I mean, I'm sure soon we'll see the the ones out in the the, the selling. You know, they'll sell, they're selling it, right? They they're coming around, knocking on doors, trying to get you to do it. They still often come a little too uh, too soon when the ground is still a little too wet. And I think so. If we explain to homeowners, so really, you're you're creating you know all these little holes and these plugs. And you're just uh, encouraging um, really a lot of weed seeds, right, Matt, into yeah. those spots. And, uh, and you're really, it's just, it's, it's, they're probably going to take bigger plugs than they normally would take because it's so, Sorry. it's okay. It's so, uh, see what Gary started. Uh, it's so moist, right? You're getting, you know, you're only meant to take little, little tiny things. Um, and then you notice all of a sudden they're like really big, right? 
Yeah, they're really big. They're soggy. Um, they're getting all that exposed area. The other thing too is when you're pulling out those big plugs, um, you're bringing up all those weed seeds that you've been fattening your lawn and getting it nice and lush and strong to help control and push down. So now you're exposing them and the weed seeds are always going to grow quicker than the grass yeah. seeds. So like you were saying, they're just going to start sprouting. You're giving them perfect little areas. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is moist soil compacts easier than dry soil. So then you're out walking on it and you're compressing all the little air pockets. You're collapsing the larger pores uh, for roots and air and oxygen and things to get into that soil. So you're actually suffocating and damaging that substructure. So your healthy roots are not going to be able to uh, you know, spread out and gather the resources and be as happy as they normally would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when it is time to aerate, yeah, definitely do it. That's um, when that that's when like the grass is actually growing and they're going to fill in those holes much quicker, right? Yes, exactly. The grass is going to okay. be up. You're going to pull and expose those seeds, but the grass is active, so she's going to compete. So when you see those kids coming around that your neighborhood, you know. Hey, you know, knock, 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 give me 10 bucks. I'll aerate your lawn. That's great. Just don't do it now. Wait for your lawn to dry out and ask them to come back when the lawn is greening up. And for everybody, it's going to be different, um, right? Depending on where you are and what country. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, make sure that grass is green. It's active. And she's actively grown up to about two inches. And she's moving. And then get that kid to come back. um, And give that kid an extra five bucks and, and tip them and encourage them. Uh, to keep doing what they're doing. That's right. That's right. And that's funny. So we have our first uh, caller, our first listener question uh, comes from Larry. And um, one of these days we'll get a caller, Matt. One of these days we'll get a caller. Um, so Larry has said that uh, he loved our intro, our little flub there this morning. <laughs> and he's from Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for touching on the subject. My brother lives in Buffalo, New York. And he told me that over the weekend, he was out there raking. I told him he was nuts. And you're right, Larry, you can say that. Um, hopefully he's listening tonight. So yes, thank you for spreading the word. And hopefully your brother is listening to all the reasons why he shouldn't uh, really be raking. And because Buffalo would be very, very similar to what we're getting in the general Toronto area here, right? Greater Toronto area. Yeah, so. yeah, we would be very close in everything for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, so... Well, thank you very much, Larry, for writing in your question. Yeah, so I've, I've seen a lot of questions about, so I'm sure we'll get other questions about the lawn, but I thought I'd hop on over to the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's tempting. I know I'm. it's kind of driving me crazy too, um, like the ornamental grasses. You know, is it time, can I cut them? They're looking so scraggly. Can I cut them down? Again, we're getting close, but I think there's still, like you said, lots of beneficial insects that are still living and happy and cozy in there. And, um, you know, maybe by the end of this week, maybe, but um, we definitely want some nicer, warmer consistently during the day as well as nighttime. Because I think we've been getting some, you know, nice days here and there. I know I was out last Thursday, I think, and froze my, it was freezing Thursday and Friday. So, you know, it, we're still getting a lot of um, up and down weather. And uh, so, yeah, so I think we really want, because even if you go out for a walk, you're going to note it, like pay attention. There are no insects flying around. There's no bug. Mm-hmm. So I know we're not happy about that. Now, I don't want mosquitoes anytime soon either. But if there's not, if they're not awake, if the bees aren't awake, you know, um, 
you know, that they're still that where are they? They are still in our debris and in our gardens and in our lawns. So it shows you when really when you start to see things flying around, don't wouldn't you think that's a great little indicator? Yeah, you got it. They know exactly when to do it. I say the same thing often in in the summer when it gets super hot. We're all out working, we're landscaping and everything, but you know it's a truly hot day because just stop and look around. The birds aren't around. You can't hear anybody. There's very few bugs. Everyone's hiding because it's just that hot. So it's still Mm -hmm. just that cool. Everyone is still asleep, doing their things. I saw maybe a squirrel the other day, but I haven't seen any chipmunks. I see a couple birds just moving around where I am, but that activity isn't quite there yet for sure. Yeah. Oh, I've definitely seen squirrels and birds, but yeah, I'm thinking more in the, like the little and rabbits, have, rabbits. Oh yeah. No. And I haven't, I've seen barely any of that. And I'm maybe a little bit, I'm definitely more urban than you are, but um, yeah. I haven't seen any activity that I normally see as it gets warmer, but yes. the nighttime temperatures are slowly rising up to that nighttime degree of 10. Um, next week it's going to be in this week coming a seven to eight degrees. Yeah. Uh, so uh, low high forties. Uh, ish so that should spur things on but yes there's so many things that we think of like the grasses and the old flower stems that are hollow that are filled Mm -hmm. with insects and overwintering uh beneficial larvae and things so lots to yeah so i've heard some people say so what do you think about this because i've heard some people say that you could cut them down but then like just leave them bundled you know laying laying there just so that you know things and to me that's just more more work right to to do it twice and then then they've blown all over my garden and now I've got to scrub them all up again so I don't know Um, I I agree Uh, I like the look of it just being natural like just I'm like that very natural look but yes it adds more work they should be perfectly fine unless someone comes and tramples through or, you know, they blow away or they somehow get damaged. But yeah, it's just, it, to me, it is a little bit extra work where you could just wait another week or so, plan it out, give yourself enough time and do it mm-hmm. once and do it right. Yeah. And if it's raining, you know, like, again, sometimes the tidiness of it versus all the compressing like walking to get to them in your garden and stepping on the lawn and packing down everything it's not really worth it you know so letting things dry out so that when you're stepping on the grass you know so to deal with your ornamental grass you've just killed you know 25 square feet or whatever of you know of garden or or lawn because you've compressed it so you know I I think it's the big picture I think sometimes we just focus on these little things um you know and uh, I know it's been bugging me. I actually haven't even brought in, uh, taken out my uh, evergreens from my urns <laughs> at the front of my house. And they're like a yeah. lovely shade of orange. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, I really, I look out my window. I'm like, yeah, I really should do that. But I haven't done that yet either. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what you're not alone. I've seen a, quite a few people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So speaking about all the little things, um, Mike has written in a question, not a little question, a good question, but uh, Hello, a question regarding aeration. Shouldn't there be a certain depth of tines on the aerator? Someone told me that a lot of consumer aeration equipment doesn't go down into the soil far enough. How deep should the cores be? 
really the cores you only really need to go down to about an inch and a half or two inches is pretty good you don't need to go down five six seven eight inches you'd never have the roll well enough you'd have to make a few extra passes on it uh to get that going and even just pulling that so just a couple of inches is good again the roots are only going to need to go down two to three inches and it's all about the cut and the blade above mirroring the roots below so mike as long as you're getting into that lower area um, and you know your lawn and your subsoil especially is nice and healthy uh, and organic you can aerate less and uh, you won't need to go as deep but ideally anywhere that one and a half to two inch range should be good Good. Yeah, excellent question. That was perfect timing. And and let me know what what um uh you heard. Did you hear a certain depth? Um that someone that told you uh what was their depth that they were they were not going down far enough or what they were going. And somebody I wonder if sometimes some of the machines go too far because some of the chunks just look like huge, you know, so huge. And then you can see when they when they like rip up when they've come out again, yeah. they've not just made a nice little core. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. damaged around like someone's hit it with a putting green or a, a yeah. chipper. <laughs> chipper or something. Yeah. I don't golf. Divots. So yeah. yeah divots. Me. That's the word I think. <laughs> <laughs> Golfers correct us now at instudio101 yeah. at gmail.com. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so trimming down grasses and stuff. Uh, I think that's a popular question. Um, moving, I mean, that moving plants is, it's a tricky tricky answer there if you're moving and you're selling your house you got to move them move them right? right um you know uh is it ideal is it you know things like the peony uh, that was one of the questions i noticed uh popping up quite a bit um yeah if it's gra if you sold the house and you've got grandma's peonies you know dig them up get as much of the root as possible as big of a pot like no squeezing that root ball into a two gallon pot you get no. if you have to put it in a garbage bag you get as much root of that and soil as possible right to make the the transition then you need to do it if it's just a matter of wanting it in a different spot in your yard you know you certainly again i would wait for the soil to to dry up otherwise it's just going to because if if it's all wet and everything um falls apart off of the root because it's so like you know that's worse right so uh um peonies it's really they're like one of those you know um, things in history that people get passed on to, you know so they tend to be more romanticized but um in the sense of special you know specialness but um making sure you replant it at the same height as that it was uh, that you dug it up at yeah. and uh, and be prepared that they don't particularly like to be moved. So it may not bloom, you know, if you're catching it or it's a hard thing, right? Cause if you catch it early, it might be too early and it's too wet, that kind of thing. But so, uh, so yeah, so as long as you are prepared. Yes, right? well said. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Other things, I think you can still, I think there's plenty of time. I think sometimes you're trying to move things that you think is, you know, you think is this and you, you're not, and I've done it, I know, but it's mm. just better to wait a little while. I think I had a client today. She said, I've been digging all around my garden and I can't find my hostas. And I'm like, it's too soon. It, she goes, I've got these big elephant ear hostas and she's having some construction done. And she goes, I want to get them out of the way. 
I'm like, it's too soon. But in the meantime, she's dug all these holes up all over the garden trying to find them. Oh. So who knows what she's damaged in trying right. to do that. So, um, so yeah, so that goes back to the nighttime temperatures, the soil temperature, you know, it'll be like poof overnight, everything will be up. But there's really, uh, really time for patience. Yeah, yeah, you've got it exactly. Yeah, oh, that's scary when just digging, just digging randomly and chopping into root balls and all the compression and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. And no, because she's thinking they're dead. She goes, I think I lost all my hostas. I'm like, we all know you couldn't lose a hosta if you tried. Really? (laughs) So... Sorry, but it's I planted like the nubs of leaves, like there's no roots, and I've just stuck it in the ground like a dogwood stem. The thing erupts like a volcano of hosta. It's like, yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Rachel's written in a question. Uh, Speaking of bees, what are good plants to put into our garden to attract them? There is a major bee problem around the world right now. Not enough bees. Uh, what can we do to attract them and help them survive? What jumps to my mind right now is honeybees. And I think that's what's gotten the big media spotlight is the honeybees and the mites and the viruses and everything that's attacking and collapsing the, the major, I'm going to say it wrong, but um, hive collapse syndrome or there's the hiving, right. I forget what it is, what they're calling it for real. Uh, but that hive collapse is, is occurring. But the one thing that I remember too is, is, or think of, sorry, not remember, but think of is that the honeybees are introduced and there's still a lot of native bees uh, like masons and leaf cutters and other ones that we don't necessarily recognize because they don't look like typical bees that mm. are out there that are are doing a lot of pollinating that um, you know, certain bees like like mason bees, they can outpollinate um, uh, honeybees at certain times of the year. So uh, just, you know, just having like a good selection of flowers, making sure you're designing with, um, you know, some native species, um, but also just some high flowering things like echinaceas, I'm thinking cosmos, annuals, perennials, whatever are in your area. But again, at different seasons, always having your garden changing and offering different uh, styles, types, and shapes of flowers, mm-hmm. because they'll all produce different amounts and types of pollen and nectar resources. So just getting a good all-well-round landscape design blooming through the seasons. And again, like um, we were saying earlier, making sure that you're leaving things out for them to overwinter in, because the honeybees will go back to a hive, but a lot of our native bees will burrow into the ground or hide inside of stems mm-hmm. and do other things. So that's a big question, Rachel, because it really comes down to what bees um, you've got. And yeah. I know honeybees will travel five to eight kilometers up to find um, their bigger sources of honey. They rarely move like the oh, hive pollen. is here and, yep. you know, two feet away as a garden, they tend to overfly that and they'll mm-hmm. eventually find it. But they move in bigger swaths. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully that helps. And yeah, if you have I mean, follow up, let us know and where you are. We'd love to know. Well, I just like to add to that. So yeah, knowing where you are would help, but definitely some of the native plants, um, you know, I'm thinking of Liatris, like Blazing Star, uh, you know, some Echinacea, but they're really saying that the pale cone, like the native Echinacea, you know, not necessarily like the fancy ones that have been hybridized a ton to be like orange and red and, and things like that, but just going back to like the pale cone flower, 
echinacea um, powder. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and sh- thinking of shrubs too, that, you know, things like service berry, mm-hmm. some of the fruiting, uh, fruiting shrubs are the first ones to flower and they are really important to the native bees as well. So, uh, so yeah, so there's usually, um, quite a list of different things. Um, the importance of buying them from a gr- garden center too, and not necessarily from a, the grocery store or the big box store, knowing the source of the plants, because yes. you want them to be have not been treated with chemicals, um, you know. So that's the advantage of native plants. Also, is is they are tended to be har- harvested um, a little bit more ethically, so that there's no chemicals on them, no neonics on them, that type of thing. So, um, yeah. But long blooming. I mean, I know I balance that out a little bit. I have some native plants, but I also have some. Um, like I have to say my nepeta, my cat mint is not a native plant, but it is covered in bees of all kinds, honeybees, but other bees as well. Um, you know, from May until November, um, my, uh, I'm trying to think of the late summer one, oh, my anemone, my Japanese anemone, also not native, yeah. but boy, in the fall, the, the openness and all the pollen in there, those bees love it. So you know, so there really are, are a lot of uh, things, but I think you need a bit of a mix, you know, going because you said, like you said, the native bees are, they travel, they stay in the area, which is good. Um, and they are, poll- and they're also helping pollinate vegetable gardens, you know, the, those the honeybees don't des- necessarily do that. But it's the native bees that are spreading and helping your vegetables, you know, and all of that. So, um, so there's a reason to have those little teeny tiny native bees around. So they're a lot less noticeable than the uh, big bumblebee honeybees, right? Oh, yes. I mean, some of the species, they look, you from a glance, you'd say, oh, look at all those flies over there. Ew. Yeah. And it's just a cluster of like native bees or early mason bees doing their thing on some early flowering products. So, yeah, and I think it also gives it that kind of that, you know, that variety, like you were saying, like the different, you're an enemy in the fall, the catman all year round, different things. It also kind of lends to, you know, letting some of those early spring flowering, like clovers and dandelions and other quote unquote weeds kind of do their thing because they are going to be your first. They're going to come out at the same time. Insects are smart. They can recognize their native things that they're drawn to. Um, but they've also evolved so that they erupt when these things are available to them. Right, right. Right. So, and some of that actually goes forget <laughs> diversity is key. Yeah. And uh, spring bulbs. Like, so that's a thing in mm. the fall to really think about the stuff, the snowdrops, the, the, my, um, I've got some, oh my gosh, the little purple ones coming up. Wiscari? No. Great uh, crocuses. Oh, crocuses. Like. <laughs> crocuses. Uh, you know, so yeah. So um, I actually have that's might be I, I can in our Facebook group, I'll post uh, a graphic. I've got some um, native plants. Again, it only works if you're kind of in our zone, but native plants and their bloom times. And I thought it was a really great chart. I was on a, a native plant uh, course this winter and they gave us a really great graphic. So I can put that in. Uh, if you are part of our Down the Garden Path podcast Facebook group, I will put that in the group. Oh, very cool. I'm yes. definitely going to check that out. I love native plants and I love charts that just show all that yes, kind of stuff. Right? Definitely. Great for and garden journal. That's right. And Hopefully. I love this question. We have another question. Did oh, you get, oh. Have you seen it yet or no? Okay. <laughs> so we... I put you on the spot. So Sherry has written. Oh, okay. And, and Sherry, this is a really good question because I've seen a lot of people uh, doing this already. 
Um, so she says, hello, Joanna Matthew. Hi, Sherry. I uh, hope you had a very nice holiday. When is the best time to transplant my tomato plants outside? I live in the GTA, started them already from seed. Thank you. So do you want to break it to her? Hardening <laughs> off. Yes, we still have quite a bit of time before we yeah. can start pulling them outside. Um, May 2-4, Sherry. It's, yeah, I just say it's not the for the weekend of partying. It is for plants to be outside. Plants, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so getting them finally out there. Yeah, we're looking May two four to June first. Um, you know, if you're hardening them off or slowly, you still we want stable, more stable temperatures. Um, you know, closer to that fourteen sixteen. That tropical winter is ending. Uh, they tend to be Mediterranean and European, so I mean sixteen degrees. That's the beginning of winter for those guys. Yeah. So keeping them inside um if you start then that's where the whole you know if you start them too early because we're anxious they get fairly big and they become unruly but um yeah we lots of time to go lots of time to go before we want to start hardening off our seeds and getting them ready we're still looking at second to third week of may depending on temperatures yeah um, last year it snowed for a week may 9th so yeah. <laughs> or we are at least so Sherry, you're going to have to be patient. I know if they're getting, starting to get tall, it gets a little bit hard to manage them. So yeah. um, Matt, are there, and, and if you have grow lights so that they're not like leaning and reaching, that's important. Right. Um, so, um, so yeah, you don't want them too leggy. Um, if they start to get leggy, that's okay. Because then when you plant them outside, you would just plant them deeper. Right. And right. that's a whole other show that will be a show in May, Sherry. <laughs> so we'll tell you all about that. But yes, you can, you know, if they start to get and then you get. Um, so I don't I don't know where you're at with that, but it, you are even to start bringing them out for daytime. Like it's the breezes are still cool. I've seen yeah. several people who said they've tried it and then they, you know, post a picture of like, what happened? What happened to my plant? And it's just too soon. Like the the temperatures are not. We might be adjusted, but the plants are still too, too fragile. Yeah, we're warm blooded again. And, yeah. and the wind is still that winter wind. It's so dry that it just literally physically rips water out of the plant and just desiccates them completely. If it doesn't freeze it first, uh, yeah. depending on where you are. So mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't see Sherry's question because I was looking at um Wayne's question oh okay I missed Wayne's question then <laughs> oh no that came Wait. in after Sherry I just oh, okay pop up. I was like oh and then you caught me um uh, so Wayne just said hello if someone wanted to grow fruit any fruit that would grow here in Toronto uh what would you recommend I'm interested in oh T.O. I'm thinking Toronto uh but uh I'm interested in trying this fruit tree shrubs vines help ah well we know some people don't we, we? know some people you, know, so you want so, to plug yeah. those people? <laughs> I can plug those people. So Wayne, I don't know if you, hopefully you listen to Reality Radio all the time. So there's two other shows on uh, Reality Radio with Gary, right, Gary? Uh, Susan yes. Poisner does a show all about fruit trees. Um, and I know her last, her past show, um, she does it monthly on Tuesdays at 2. Gary, correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct. Um, okay. And she just did a show all on blueberries. Um, so I've seen her promote. So orchardpeople.com, you can find out more about Susan there. And Stephen Biggs, he's been a guest on our show a few times, and he's written books about growing lemons and growing figs. Now, not necessarily in the garden, but in pots outside, and then again, keeping them alive over the winter. Um, so those are exciting things to grow. Um, Susan, you know, has a lot about apples as well. 
Uh, so yeah, and I, I have, uh, I'm trying to think, I, um, raspberries. So we have grown in a pot, in a large pot. We have successfully grown uh, raspberries. I definitely recommend them in a pot because they are very invasive and very thorny. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's been my experience. How about you? I was just going to say from, from the garden center side of things um, and growing them myself in smaller spaces, um, Wayne, and again, just I'm guessing you're at Toronto from T.O. Uh, but take a look um, for if you're thinking fruit trees, take a look for the multiple in ones trees. They're grafted. So if you have a smaller yard or a smaller space, these dwarf or semi dwarf trees will pollinate and give you some pears and plums and things because a lot of those larger trees need two to cross pollinate to give you, but then they take up 30 feet in width um in your spaces and we don't always have that and then just kind of piggybacking on what you said with the the raspberries take a look too there's some um container raspberries or some plants uh called bushel and barrel and they're new hybrid plants that are uh, created for urban spaces that grow smaller uh produce just as well uh but you know the raspberries are thornless and the blueberries are self-pollinating mm. where they're a group too that need to be cross-pollinated uh some of them have a spring i love uh the blueberry perpetua is the one that i like to grow because it gives you a spring crop and then a fall crop of blueberries Ooh. and they're big and beautiful and sweet so there's some cool things out there that are coming um or that are out there for small, small spaces and 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 just to dip container into gardening, yeah, for, and for container gardening yeah. and all these the bushel and barrels, you, they are all hardy. They're still hardy zone uh, three, four, and five, so you can still plant them in the ground and they'll overwinter and et cetera, et cetera. The other thing, just Wayne, lastly, um, all I had was if you're considering fruit trees, um, now is the time to look at your local garden centers. They're going to start to arrive. Um, from the south or the west or wherever you end up, your garden center ends up getting them. Uh, but the first come first serve pick is right now. It's uh, okay. if you wait till May, you're done. You've missed that cool, mm. you know, European plum or your four and ones and your mm. multiples by by second week in May. Things are getting starting to get really tight. So I'll keep an eye out. So I want to piggyback yeah. on Wayne's question because I also saw a question where someone was looking for recommendations on a fruit tree, but she wanted to buy a mature fruit tree. Um, and as we said, you know, once 59 other people have commented on a post, I don't comment, but really that's very hard to get, right? I mean, pretty much, you know, you're dealing with a three gallon, maybe five gallon tree. Fruit trees don't really want to be in, you know, to get a good size, do not want to be in a pot for that long, nor do they want to, can they handle like the other deciduous type trees, right? Where they're uh, um, wire basket, they don't do fruit trees, at least on Ontario, right? We don't do that. Yeah, I just, as you were saying that, I was racking my brain. Yeah. I've never seen when the ordering trees or shrubs ever yeah. a, a larger one. Yeah. Um, I've seen late in the summer, just from... And I think they're from U.S. growers. I've seen some 10 gallons come and they were a little like they were a decent size, like a six foot size. But okay. yeah, even there, that's yeah. Yeah, not typical. For sure. from what okay, so that's good. So, yeah, let everybody know their expectations. I know Susan yeah. has spoken really highly about um, getting bare root fruit trees mm -hmm. um, from other getting them direct from um, growers 
that they actually will root, even though you're, I know you're getting a little twig in the mail in a box, but they actually root quicker and kind of get going faster than the ones you might get at garden center that have already been started. So, um, so yeah, so or, uh, again, shout out to orchardpeople.com. Um, you can, she's got a ton of resources there and some past uh, radio shows and podcasts as well. So, uh, so definitely it's exciting. It's so funny because when I first started designing, everybody was wanting to remove the fruit trees and get rid of the fruit <laughs> out of their yards. And now come 15 years later, it's full circle. We want to put fruit trees and vegetables in the, in the gardens. And it is, it is, I find it, I have a chuckle every time I have a client, even today, it was like a client was like, I, I just want a space for vegetables. And it's like so funny because uh, 15 years ago it was like I don't know what they were thinking I want that out of there you know so it's cute it <laughs> is cute. cute well the time is flying on the show Matt as the usual we're loving everybody's flying. questions we are we've got a couple more that have have come in um and just before we jump to our next one um who, who is Francis by the way uh we haven't talked about bare root but don't be afraid to try bare root um there are some great times to go great plants that do better than as bare root and again just now that early spring we have to sell them before we can have to pop them up or they be break dormancy so now is the time if you're considering it or you're looking for that bare root tree and maybe a larger size uh take a look now now's the time to start scouting for them excellent francis has written in um okay when able to rake our lawns plastic or metal rakes plastic seem to be a lot harsher on our grass where metal rakes tend to bend easier and less damage to the lawn your thoughts um i tend to go metal um and i like the garant you can usually see it you can see it at your independent garden centers but you can also find them in uh, the big box stores i don't know if they're actually garant is the brand name um who makes them but it's a, a wide, it's like a leaf mulch um, rake type thing, Francis. And it's got a little bit more of a jointed curve to its blade. But the blade, instead of all those individual tines, it's metal, but like the plastic, it tends to be one solid piece. And instead mm. of a fan, it's a broader, like a, a squared off rake. And you can get them in, I've seen them 16, I think they're 16. 20 and 24 inch um and they've got a little bit of a wider time and joanne's laughing at what's going on i am i'm no no i'm like yeah you called the right guy because the hard goods manager right I'm like, who, knew, <laughs> who knew the size of rakes did you know that he would answer that sorry i'm sorry That's would you like a laugh. wood handle or a polycarbonate i, I handle? know francis yeah i know 16 inch 18 inch 22 inch you know there you go <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I like i like that one i find that i can it's yeah it's great i love that one oh, that would be good. my one yeah good. what about you plastic metal do you have a we preference? have a we have a big plot like i have to say we never really rake our front lawns we don't you know we only time we rake is when the leaves so we've got a, one of those really big green big plastic ones so just because it's fan. easy yeah like it's it's quite big and uh so it's more just so that makes it less easier to to pick up the leaves so i very rarely uh rake i don't really usually have time and my husband has no inclination <laughs> but they could explain the state of our lawn so you know <laughs> yes yes mm -hmm. so thank you for that question Francis. well yeah no it's a good one 
That is no, that's a great one. That is that is a very good question. Um wow, so oops, sorry, I just lost the question. We had another question and oh I brought up something wrong. Where am I going back here? Here we oh, go. Yeah, There's you got it. Uh, Andrew Jones has written in a question and he said, what is meant by a hybrid plant? So a hybrid plant is basically the cross pollinating between two varieties of, uh, you know, just same species um, or compatible species to produce new seeds. Um, sometimes they won't go true to seed. And then that's where we move from the term um, variety, varieties are things that will naturally go to seed, true to seed. Um, they tend to be naturally occurring. And then cultivars are things that have come to seed, but don't often go true to seed. And they can, they're also hybrids. Uh, but then the cultivars, those hybrid cultivars, we have to cultivate ourselves. They tend to be man-made or propagated because as they go back to seed and they die off, they'll go back into their genetic parents. Uh, parents. Whereas the varieties can hybridize, but then they go back to they tend to be true to seed. So basically just a crossing of mom and dad, two parents that give you uh, a genetic favorable plant. Okay. There we go. <laughs> um, oh, and we've got another question coming in. Donna, Donna writes in, is it too early or is it too early to at least put down grass seed? Yeah, overall Donna, you do, yeah, I would wait. Especially if you're thinking, Donna, you might need to do some sort of pre-emergent herbicide, like a corn gluten, or again, if you're in the States versus Canada, you might have something else available to you. Uh, but the pre-emergents prevent anything from growing up and knock out those, those seeds. So if you have to pre-emerge uh, or put something down, then yes, definitely. Right now it's too early, nothing's really gonna grow. I mean, mm. it can sit there, the grass seed is hardy, but foraging birds and animals might pick at it if you're in a rainy area uh, and you've got open or more open soil or a good slope, you've got rain and melting snows that might uh, cause them the seeds to shift, waste away. Or if it's a little bit more of an exposed area that you're trying to repair, you've got that exposure to uh, some windy conditions that might blow away uh, or desiccate the soil or uh, break them if they're not quite ready in their, mm -hmm. those ideal conditions. So yeah, give it give it a little bit more time. Again, we want that kind of that ten degrees. Um, the 10 Check degrees your bag, don't 50. you think, Matt? Like, depending I mean, if you already yeah, bought exactly. it, like read, like get out your magnifying glass because they bury it in there. <laughs> um, you know, read the instructions for your grass seed mix as to what and and uh, it's the nighttime temperatures. So that's the thing because you really want the soil to warm up so that the grass seed can. Um, can germinate Donna yeah. so it's yes again there's lots of nice sunshine during the day um, but not necessarily nighttime temperatures the soil is still cool and so the grassy like Matt said is just going to sit there so no harm in doing it but no benefit to doing it either and you run the risks of we have a really bad rainy windstorm there those goes your grass seed um you know birds that kind of thing or even somebody running across the lawn now has compressed all that grass seed so yeah yeah so again it's one of those things that i just i want to pull my car over and tell people to, to stop doing um one today i saw him um 
uh, and I feel bad that, you know, his front lawn is near the crosswalk to the school, right? Mm. And so that, you know, they never stay on the crosswalk and they're definitely walking on his boulevard and things like that. So yesterday he was out with, you know, grass seed, um, putting grass seed down beside, and I just thinking, oh, you know, that's just going to get trampled on and, and, you know, so I feel bad, but. Anyway, yes. long-winded answer, but they hope that helps, Donna. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Gwen has just written in, um, so basically, dot, 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 leave the damn lawn alone. Ha, love you guys. <laughs> we couldn't, but that would have been a much shorter show, uh, Gwen. Yeah. <laughs> we, we could have just said that, and, and uh, I don't know if anybody saw the graphic. Matt did a really great graphic for the show that you'll see later but uh yeah that's basically uh we could have put that as the words not leave the garden welcome to down the garden path where we talk about yeah. leaving the damn lawn alone yeah <laughs> thank you for tuning in next week no. <laughs> <laughs> um so did you want to tell everybody give thank everybody for listening and do our little yeah, you know what we've been our, ourselves. Normally, when we have our guests, we kind of give them a break and read this halfway through. But yeah, thank you for joining us here on the Down the Garden Path here on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host Joanne Shaw, and uh, you're listening to Down the Garden Path. I think I said that twice. But Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting, relevant, and helpful topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. So don't forget to spend more time with us down the garden path that you can find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please subscribe to be notified of new content. Give us a like, share with your fellow gardening friends and leave us a comment, say hi and where you're from. You can always find us offline as well. You can always reach us here. Uh, our wonderful producer, Gary, gets our mail and shares it with us. So you can write to Gary and us here at realityradio101.com uh, at in-studio101 101, uh, no, in 101 at gmail.com. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, you can write Joanne at down the number two earth.ca and me at uh, naturalaffinity.ca. Uh, with all our email and social media links. I realize I just said our websites and not our email address. Uh, That's okay. But, all our email addresses are on the website. All so. on the websites. That's right. So thank you for that. Um, I wanted to speak to, because uh, so also as people are super keen on yeah. getting out there, um, and plants are just starting to come into garden centers, so there's not a ton of availability, but people are buying packages, you know, the, the um, packages of bulbs, let's say peony bulbs or dahlia bulbs or different things, um, root or whether they've ordered them online from different sources, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, so I have uh, someone here who's written in and said that uh, they can they do they start the peonies like so they bought the roots they bought the package from a big bark store do they wait and plant them outside do they wait and put them in a pot and start them inside and um and they also said that can they leave them overnight uh, over winter or do they need to dig them up in the fall so definitely a brand new gardener which we love to help the brand new gardeners right those impulse purchases in line at the stores when you just buy something the flowers beautiful and red and amazing um, so what do you say? I mean, they definitely obviously are a perennial, so they're going to come back every year. So no worry about that. Um, but Matt, do you think they should pot, pot them up or just wait and plant them right outside? 
I like to just wait and plant them right outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hesitating because I was looking to see if I was muted. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I was writing something. Yeah, I would just wait until you can work the garden. Again, they're hardy. Wait till you can work the soil. You know where your spot is. Pl- let them plant them in and then just let them come up naturally and, and do their thing like they would be. Yeah. If you were doing something tropical, like your dahlias or your cannas or your callas, those for sure, start those bulbs inside now, those annual ones, because you'll get to the period where they're flowering sooner. Uh, But the perennial ones, I would wait till the ground is workable and and plant away. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's great. And I think it's cool that people want to try different things and order, you know, bare root plants, um, at, you know, cause they just want to, everybody's afraid that the garden centers aren't going to have stock. And from what we've heard so far, there definitely are going to be issues with some of the, um, larger plant material. Um, but perennials and annuals, they should be fine. They are definitely prepared compared to last year. Um, you know, some of the, and actually some of them, we've talked about this in the past in the show, uh, some of the, um, uh, the uh, lack of resources or lack of plant material actually comes back to the 2008 recession. Um, And that those farms, all those growers, mostly in the US um, that, you know, you know, stopped growing and and the land walked away from their nurseries, there's a have really let you know, because you don't you when you don't start, you know, it takes a while to grow trees, to sell trees kind of thing. So that's the type of thing. So large trees are a little bit harder to find. Um, some of the specimen trees in um, Western Canada, some of the farmer, the growers that were growing a specific tree, I think of the, I don't know if you're aware, Matt, of the, uh, the Dawak beaches, the gold, they're the big farm, the guy that we, everybody got gold Dawak beaches, and they're beautiful beech trees that are very narrow, that are gold, and then green, and then gold again in the fall, he sold his farm. So mm-hmm. it's going to take all the other growers, uh, you know, a few years to get going to, to actually have a supply. So I know our suppliers said you can find the burgundy ones, which I find is funny because I use the burgundy ones more than I use the gold ones. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I think, you know, for certain specimens, there's going to be a little bit of a shortage or maybe less uh, choice than usual. But as far as shrubs and perennials and things that are grown locally, um, they should be fine, right? Yeah, I, I just gotta say too that's like kind of popped up just as you're starting to talk about that. Uh, yeah, the trees, especially this year, um, mm-hmm. just trees. Trees are going to be short and evergreens. Like they're saying, boxwoods yeah. and yews. You know, you can we can get the thirty centimeter, forty centimeter yews and boxwoods and stuff. But if you're wanting the eighty centimeter, you know, the, uh, that kind of thing, uh, the five footers, they're going to be they're gone. So uh, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, and then it's teaching us that we need to, um, and even there's been a lot of some of the, a lot of the courses I took this past winter, really encouraging designers to really um, cut back on using boxwood. I know it's our go-to, it's an easy one, but did you know there were like 35 pests that attack boxwood? Like they really, everybody, like I've always kind of treated them to myself as like a low maintenance plant, you know, full sun to full shade, grows slowly, easy to control, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, not if you're having to fight 35 different insects 
to keep it healthy, let oh, alone yeah. the salt damage and the ice damage and things like that. So really um, looking for alternatives on what to plant other than boxwoods. Um, there's some, you know, some real predatory insects in like the west end of Toronto that they're really trying to the box with box tree moth. I was trying just to say the box tree moth, it's it hasn't reached the GTA. It tends to be core of like the Toronto Etobicoke. I think it's in Etobicoke, and they're really working Etobicoke, really yeah. hard to keep it there. Yeah, um, that kind of thing. So that's a, a real because man, if it gets downtown Toronto, I think of all those homes downtown. Um, yes, in the old neighborhoods, it is Boxwood City down there. So yeah, that's going to be a sad day that that happens. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so you know, I think we will and we'll talk more about that as we get into deep dives on the plant months that we have coming up on perennials and shrubs and evergreens and stuff. We definitely want to give you some new things to try. I'll give you a new thing to try. One of my lovely, uh, one of the things that I'm excited about speaking about boxwood alternatives is the um, Ilex glabra, the inkberry hollies, yes. cultivar strongbox from Proven Winners. Um, it, it's just gorgeous and fantastic. So is it you, really? Okay. That's what I, they recommended. Yeah, yeah, I had it last year in the nursery and just a few, a little bit before. Um, the the strongbox is the one that you're going to find more in the northern regions um, because the female, and it's the male version, no berries, um, but the females aren't quite as cold hardy as the guys are. So you're going to okay. find just a plain green one. And the female will be green with some flowers on it, but they won't give you the berries if that's a thing you don't like. So yeah, don't have but to are they the prunable berries. like a boxwood but or is it more? Just like a boxwood, they're native to northeastern North America. So they're North American natives or native to just south of us on the other side of the lake and uh, in the oh, mountains perfect. there. And, yeah, okay. so it's I'm super excited about that one. I I love excellent. All those, all those. But anyway, I have like and I I am not a globe cedar girl. Like honest to goodness, I am not. <gasps> but that little fire chief cedar. Yeah. I have to say, I've been I actually just put that on a design. I uh for a client today actually i put boxwood or fire chief and i'm gonna before i send them that drawing i'm gonna take out boxwood um so <laughs> i have to say i put them in my own garden they have grown they're not as yellow they definitely have a yellow tone to them i'm not they don't get enough sun in my yard but they still look good and they're actually bluish so i don't mind that um nice. so yeah so i and i'm kind of happy that okay with less sun like it still grows and and it maintains its nice shape um, albeit not as yellow as the uh, as it, if it was in the sun. So that's a nice little compact globe one. I love cedars, the globe cedars especially. But but most people like like you, they don't they don't really like them, and they don't give them the time to like grow up, or they feel this need to like shear them and keep them to that globe. But when yeah. you just let like a Danica um, or like just fill out to that two by two, three by three, and just like get to full maturity. I find there's nothing as beautiful and dense and as rounded. I something just speaks to me about it. I don't know, but I hate it when they're trimmed because they get hacked to death. But when you let them go to that size and they're just right, I love them. Anyway, oh, that's good. <laughs> but well, I don't design good. with them often because everybody, yeah, anyway. doesn't want them. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nancy and I have that debate all the time too. She loves her her globe cedars, so, uh, so yeah. Well, we're at the last four minutes of I the know. show. Um, just rounding out our guest questions. Janice has written in. 
you folks are hilarious. I think she might have been laughing at me while I stumbled over our little segment transition there. Um, but that's okay. We are having a great time and we're glad you're listening, Janice. Um, she says, thanks for all the fantastic advice. The best show. Happy gardening this year. And happy gardening to you too, Janice, and all of our listeners who uh, tune in regularly on Down the Garden Path. Mm-hmm. They're your new or veteran. That's right. And so while we're telling people to stay out of the garden, we do want to let people know. So for the month of April, you can kind of take it easy. But I want to do a quick shout out to it's all been about virtual gardens in this last uh, year. Um, Mm -hmm. So check out greatgrowalong.com. Um, there is a we missed promoting it on the show at the time so there was a a virtual garden festival 40 plus sessions of amazing speakers and authors several of them have been on our show highly highly recommend it Um, it was only it's only 27 bucks everybody and you get um, so even though it's not live now you can still go in um, and and listen to the recorded uh, sessions and you've got six months access Um, again greatgrowalong.com and 40 plus sessions. And we'll have that in our show notes. And we also want to give another shout out to Stephen Biggs. Mm -hmm. He is having an edible gardener makeover.com course. He wants to teach everybody how to make an edible garden. So check out edible gardener garden makeover.com for signing up for Stephen's course. So there are some things you guys can do virtually and learning online um, and stay out out of the garden for the next couple of weeks. And then there'll be plenty to do in May, won't there? Tons and tons and tons. And you'll have all these cool plants and this list and this design that you've worked on. If you haven't hired a professional like myself or Joanne, mm-hmm. hit the garden centers with a plan, knowing what you're going to get. And I'm right. excited. There's so much to learn. It never really stops. That's right. That's right. Yes, we can. We're still I'm I'm booking the end of April already. It's like the first week of April and I'm booking uh, that last week of April for designs and uh, dear, dear contractors like, you know, the day after I see the site, they're like, so when are you going to be done? <laughs> so <laughs> it takes a little bit of time. Um, had a couple of wonderful Zoom calls today with clients. So Zoom's working out really well, um, helping people visualize and, and work on the designs together. Uh, so we're, we're, uh, the season is upon us, but, uh, I am so excited of all the new gardeners out there that are so super keen and asking lots of questions. So if you know someone, please send them our way. Uh, like Matt said, you know, our podcast page, um, on Facebook, down the garden path podcast, Facebook group, or on Instagram, um, we would love to hear from you, right? <laughs> we would indeed. And as I think the music plays us out. That's uh, right. You could find us, uh, Joanne, at down the number two earth.ca and myself at naturalaffinity.ca uh, as well with all our social media links out. Reach out, uh, ask us questions. And until then, uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. And thank you for joining us here this Easter Monday here in Canada uh, for another episode of Down the Garden Path. We'll see you all soon. All right. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.